Sunday night study. Glad that you're here. I had an unusual experience this afternoon. I went back to the house and uh, my in-laws were there, which is not that unusual, but uh, Doug and Diana were are in the process. Diana's mother passed away uh, several weeks ago, and so in the process of going through uh, Grandma Harris's things, and they came over today, they had this church directory from the Emporia Avenue congregation in 1968. So if you're not familiar with that congregation, basically midtown, um, I grew up in that congregation, and you know that's where I cut my teeth spiritually. It's where I learned uh, more about the scriptures. It's where I heard the gospel proclaimed, where I was baptized into Christ, later on where I was married, where I met my wife. So a lot of uh, emotional and spiritual connection uh, to that family. Now, the church is a different group of people, although I know some people there. It's just a different group of people than I, when I was last there some 24 years ago. But I'm looking through this directory from 1968, and it's interesting to me because it's full of black and white pictures of people that are very young who I didn't know until 30 years later. Uh, people who some I would know, some you would, or some that you would know, um, and some you wouldn't know. But they were part of that, my first spiritual family, if you will. And it was interesting to me because when you first meet a person, whatever age they are, that's kind of the age you have them in your mind. But here I am looking at pictures of people who I know who were, you know, these pictures are taken 10 years before I was born. Just a humbling reminder that we are all part of an ongoing story, of an ongoing work. And we look at genealogies and most of those names, we don't know. Now, there's a few that we knew, like from Matthew's genealogy this morning, some of the major characters. But some of the minor characters, even if we recognize their mention, we're not given that much detail about them in Scripture. And it occurred to me, both in their story and in our story, that God is still working on today, that that we all have a part. Uh, There are people who are influential in your coming to Christ, that I will never know. I won't ever meet in this world until we get to heaven someday. Uh, There are people that had a major impact on who you are and how you are. People that you look up to. People that are your role models, your mentors, your older women or older men that trained you and led you. Maybe not just led you to Christ, but also were an example to you in the church. Tonight, I want us to think about get a little introspective about our role in the story. Uh, Tonight's lesson is called Consider Your Calling, and it's from the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's go there together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 is where we'll be for our key text. It's easy to read Scripture... And be intimidated. It's easy to go to church, and especially as a new Christian or as a young Christian, to be intimidated. We've got a, 
a portion of our youth group here tonight. It's always good to see your faces here. Um, but I think, though it's been 30 years since I've been a teenager, um, I think it's easy as a teenager to be intimidated by older people to presume, I don't really have a voice. I don't really have a place. Where scripture argues with you, um, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love, in faith and in purity. It's easy to be intimidated by people who seem to have more spiritual blessings. It's easy to be uh, be intimidated by people you think know more or are farther along in their journey. It's easy to look around and think, wow, what am I doing here in the story that God is telling? But when you see how God has used different people through the ages, when you read the passages like we read this morning of Matthew chapter 1, or when you read from Romans, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 11 or Romans chapter 16, you're reminded that, that God had individuals, people, that he made and created for such a time as that or as this, that he made in his image to do his will and to help others along as well. And, and when you think about that, you begin to think, wow, maybe God has something for me to do. Something significant to do. Well, maybe he does. Or maybe he has something insignificant for you to do. Maybe he has something that, that isn't noticed by everyone. Turn to, um, I know you have your, your Bibles turned to 1 Corinthians 1, and you do need to be there. But as a prelude to that, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is a text full of people who walked by faith. Major characters, people that we know like Abraham and Moses, uh, people who trusted God in a, in, a, in, a, in a wow sort of way, in a big way, you know, Gideon and Samuel and, and David. You know, there's lots of those major characters, but also... Woven into Hebrews 11 are the minor characters, the less known characters, and in some cases the unknown characters. As, as the writer of Hebrews wraps up his thought about the importance of the heroes of faith and this cloud of witnesses he's about to get to, he, verse 32, he says this, What more shall I say? For time would fail to me, uh, fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped at the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. 
of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. He's beautifully blending this list of names here of major and minor characters. Now, when we transpose that onto us today, I suppose there are major and minor characters within the kingdom of God as well. People that we all know, voices we all are familiar with, people whom we have listened to, who have taught us, whose influence is generational. But there's also minor characters. There are both major and minor characters in this story, in their story, in our story. I've heard lots of lessons on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and Ruth and David and Solomon and Samuel. I don't think I've heard as many stories about Obed and Jehoshaphat and Isaiah and Jeconiah and Shealtiel and Azor and Zerubbabel. Maybe I'm wrong in that there has been a life-changing lesson on any of those minor characters, but they all were still a part of God's story. There are some folks everyone knows and seem to have a five-talent level of influence. And there are lots more two-talent servants who not everyone knows and seem to have a much smaller sphere of influence. Think about this. The kingdom, the church, is compared to our physical body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes, just as, one, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. That's important. He chooses that. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ. And individually members of it. Now, I'm not exactly sure what your part is within the body 
I'm not exactly sure what your role is in the kingdom. That's something that the Lord chooses. There are parts that get more notoriety. The head, the mouth, uh, the hands, the eyes, the heart. But there are some, <laughs> I would presume, appendixes or appendice, I don't know, sure. The appendix <laughs> within the spiritual body of Christ. The unknown and the unseen, and yet we need it. There are some parts of you, of your body, that are not made to be seen. Paul says that's in the spiritual body. There are people that are we don't really know that much about. And within the kingdom, it's the same way. <clears throat> within the body, within the kingdom, and within the story. 1 Corinthians 1, I told you we'd get there. I promise now we are there. So, as we consider the people that God called, it makes an impact on thinking of ourselves in that story. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 26, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful or of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." When we consider the people that God called in times past, not many of them were especially wise. Oh, certainly there were Solomons, but not all of them were Solomons. Not all of them were especially powerful. Oh, there was the King Davids. Uh, there was the Apostle Pauls. Uh, but not all of them were. Not all of them were especially noble. In fact, many of them were foolish, weak, pretty low on the totem pole of the world's standards. And the only reason we know them today is because of God's calling. Because God chose them almost in spite of who they were. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1 that they are chosen so that they have no reason to brag. So that they have no boast at all. I've, I've told you before uh, that I went to school at Oklahoma Christian and graduated from there debt-free because of a woman who died the year I was born. Her name was Blanche Phillips. Blanche Phillips wasn't anybody here in this world, really. Uh, a few people know her, but I doubt that anyone I'm talking to tonight knows her or knew of her. 
She was a, a simple woman. They, they were a, a very basic family. But when she died, a portion of her estate went to this fund that was used to pay for guys like me to go to school. <laughs> now, maybe she did a lot of good in her life. I don't know. But I know that she did countless amount of good after she was gone. The legacy that she left, you know, we're still talking about her today. You're hearing her name 45 years after she left this world because of the impact that she made on the kingdom. By the world standard, I don't even think you could find her obituary if you Googled it. I mean, she was, you know, passed away before the internet. Maybe it's out there somewhere. But the reason we still talk about her today is because God called her for a specific purpose that wouldn't be executed until after she left. I use that as an example to say she was a minor character who still played an important part in the story in the kingdom. You see, everybody wants to be a major character in the kingdom of God. Everybody's excited at the prospect of being a Moses or a David. Everybody wants to be a five-talent. Uh, you know, every, everybody kind of likes the idea of, of being the mouthpiece or being the leader or being the elder or being, you know, in some way well-known. But those aren't the majority of people who God uses in significant ways in his story. He uses people who weren't well-known, who weren't wise and powerful and noble. Uh, they didn't have any special creativity. When Moses was called even, <laughs> God said, I want you to be my spokesman. Lord, please send someone else. I am not a toastmaster. I am not a world-class speaker. There's a million other people who could do that job. And I think, the scripture doesn't say this part, I think that's exactly why God wanted him. Because he wasn't dependent on his skill to do that job. He was dependent upon the Lord's working through him to do that job. He couldn't boast about who he was, except for the fact that God had called him to do it. Who are you? When you think about it from a scriptural standpoint, James chapter 4 says this, You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. have been having quite a bit of moisture these days, a few foggy mornings. I never really worry much about the fog, though, because as long as you drive careful when you're in it, by the time it, the heat, the sun gets up, in the zenith of the sky, all the fog will have burned off. It's just the way the world works. Fog is a very temporary kind of thing. And James says, your life is like a fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. We talked this morning about how you probably don't know your great 
grandparents, and you probably can't name any of your great-great-grandparents. I didn't have anybody challenge me on that, so I think I'm right. You might be the exception to the rule, but, but look at it the other way. Turn that on its head. What that means is your great-grandchildren, if you're blessed to have any, will barely know you, no matter who you are. And your great-great-grandchildren will likely not even know your name. Tyler was downstairs this morning, or uh, this this afternoon between morning and evening, uh, and he asked me to come downstairs, and he was going through some things and cleaning out some things, and he said, can I throw this stuff away? And it, it was some books, and it was some CDs, um, CDs are these round discs that we used to play music on. I, I'm really not making fun of you. I don't know if you know what a CD is. I had, you know, several of these sleeves, and I, I just sat there for a minute, and I said, there is every reason in the world for you to throw that away. I don't need it. I don't use it. But I need just a minute. <laughs> I couldn't, it's hard to throw things away that you, you paid good money for, for the music or the, the books. I said, I can't just, I just can't throw any of the books away. But um, There's going to come a time, if Jesus tarries, when three or four generations down the road, someone will come across your picture, and they won't know who it is. And that's a very humbling thought. And James says, you are a mist. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. You see, you and I really aren't much in the scheme of history. God will use us, but what I'm saying to you is that God doesn't need us. That God uses these insignificant vapors to accomplish his eternal purposes in the ongoing story of the redemption of God. And, and we really ought to have the humility that some of the great men and women of faith have asked, Lord, who am I? Lord, why would you want me? Because that sort of humility gives us no boast. And if we have no boast, then I think God can use us greatly. Because it's not dependent upon us, it's dependent upon him. Now, lest we forget Mordecai's counsel, God may have you here for such a time as this. Uh, I'm, a, I'm raising Gen Z, two of you anyway, in my, in my home. I hate the world that you have to grow up in. I hate it. I hate, the thing, I hate the things that you had to learn at such a young age. I hate the things you're exposed to now. I hate that for you. But I think God has you here in this time for such a time as this. To be the next generation who will lead the church through what could be some very challenging times. And though I hate that you're in it, it gives me great courage that you're here. That God has raised you up now, here, now, in this time. 
He said, I'm going to need a Zane. I'm going to need a Luke. And I'm going to need a Clark. And I'm going to need a Brooke. And I'm going to need a Grace. I'm going to need a Camille. I, I'm, I'm going to need you to be here so that I can bring my gospel to a world that increasingly needs it. Does that make you special? No. Before you go getting the big head that I called you out, you're nothing. You're like the rest of us. We're just a mist. You and I are not much in the grand scheme of history. But God has us here for such a time as this. In short, we think about our abilities. That's the wrong way to think about it. God doesn't need you to be able. He only needs you to be willing. God is able, as we sing, more than able. He doesn't need us. <laughs> We're dust. But if we'll be willing, he'll use us in mighty ways. So that someday, someday, generations down the road, people will speak fondly of the young man who stopped the cycle of addiction in his family and put a line in the sand and decided that his family would follow the Lord. Some ways, some ways long down through the generations, in the future, people will be thankful that you all decided to turn away from the world and towards Christ. Someday, a long ways out in the future, someone will be who they are because you are who you are. And because you allowed God to use you, even if you weren't able, but you were willing. Don't worry about being able. God only needs you to be willing. Every single person that God has used was flawed. Noah was a drunk, Abraham was a liar, Isaac was a dreamer, Jacob was a con man and a deceiver. Leah was ugly, Joseph was hated, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was fearful, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah and Paul were both depressed and sometimes suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job lost everything. Peter denied Christ. The disciples slept while Jesus prayed. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced and living with a guy. Zacchaeus was too small and greatly hated. Paul was too zealous. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. And God used every single one of them. For his calling. 
So consider who you are. Think about who you aren't. But remember that God used all of them for his work. Do you seriously, for a moment, think he won't use you? Consider your calling, my brothers. And let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are thankful that we, when we really think about it, no matter who we are or what talents you've given us or what influence we may have, no matter who we are, we're just a mist. Here for a little while and then soon gone. And so, Lord, we realize how insignificant we are. We have no reason to boast. We have nothing of, of, of substance to offer you, Father. Nothing that you don't already have. Nothing that you haven't bestowed to us. It's all yours. And, and so, Lord, there are times in which that fills us with great despair, wondering, what could I possibly contribute to the redemption story. But God, we are so grateful for the examples in Scripture of the people that you've used in the past in spite of themselves. We're grateful that though they were not able, that they were willing. And though they had nothing to boast about, They trusted fully in you. Father, may we be like them. We we can't be them, but may we be like them in that way. May May we rid ourselves of any hubris, of any arrogance, of any pride, of any braggadocia of ourselves. May we come to you empty. May we offer you nothing but willingness and obedience and trust. And Father, in our empty hands, we cry out to you, use us as you will. For great purposes or for small. Lord, we are the clay and you are the potter. Mold us, shape us, form us into the things that seem good in your eyes. And Father, may we glorify only in you. And may our lives, no matter what we are or who we are in this world, may we serve only to glorify you in all of it. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for the scriptures which teach us these important lessons. May we humble ourselves under your mighty hand that you may lift us up for your purposes and due time. We pray this all to the name of your Son and our Savior. Amen.